0: Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, Our, our text this morning tells us that the Lord is good to all. And one of the things that we need to understand is that God is essentially good. God is good all the time. He's not just good because you make it from point A to point B when you're on your travels. God is good all the time. If you didn't make it to point B, God is still good. God is good during all the trials and tribulations and difficulties that we go through. God is good when we go through the difficult problems of life. God is good when sickness comes upon us and when we struggle uh, in this fallen world with all the things of persecution that we find all around us. God is always good. God is good to His people. Now, we find this in the Psalms in numerous places, that God is good. We find it in Habakkuk too, that that God is good. He is good to His people. He is good to those who know Him. And God is good though to all of His creation, uh, David is saying right here. Uh, Being good, uh, that, that aspect of God, His character, means that He does no sin. He never does anything that is sinful. All that God does... Is good and He always does good. Now, one of the things that we have to realize is that He does good things to the reprobate. You know, that I don't hold to the doctrine of common grace doesn't mean that I don't believe that God gives good things to the reprobate. He certainly does. In the bounties of God's providence, He gives many good things. Think about the rain and the sunshine. Who, who deserves the rain and the sunshine? Who deserves to have a crop? What unbelieving, reprobate farmer deserves for God to bring the rain to nourish and provide for his crop? Or the sun to cause it to to cultivate, to grow, and to, to germinate, and to provide in that way? None. But yet God gives it. God gives many good things. But the question is, to the heart that it comes to. To the unbelieving heart, all the good things that God gives... It produces thorns and thistles in their life. They don't give God thanks. They don't respond in gratitude. They take all the things of this world and they use all the things in this world and they do not give God thanks. Their heart is one of rebellion. Their heart is one that they think God owes me this. I deserve these things. And we don't deserve these things, we deserve something. And what we deserve is the wrath of God to come upon us. We deserve eternal damnation. You recognize that. Every believer understands and realizes that we deserve eternal damnation. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generation. Taste and see, David said in Psalm 34, that the Lord is gracious. Uh, the Lord is good, said Habakkuk, and his mercy abounds to those who fear him. And he knows those who fear him. This is the God in whom we have to do. This are the things that Asaph said, surely God is good to Israel. He didn't understand it. Some of you don't understand it. You don't understand the goodness of God towards the unbeliever uh, that blasphemes his name. Yet God continues to provide rain and sunshine. And yet if you read the whole of Scripture, you realize that these good things, in giving these good things, it's keeping up wrath unto the day of wrath for the unbeliever. God is fattening them up for the slaughter, as it were. God is providing him with these things, and he is going to bring his judgment upon them. That is what the Scriptures speak, and that's how we must view it. You know, oftentimes, beloved, when we come to the Scriptures, we have a preconceived notion of how we want to view God. We have a hard time with God's wrath and His justice. And it seems like Christians are all the time trying to defend the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not a mystery in Scripture. All those who believe not the gospel of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abides upon them. So that even the good things that He gives are working together for their destruction. God is going to punish all evildoers. There is no man, apart from Jesus Christ, who can stand before the judgment seat of God. All these men will be consumed by the breath of His mouth. That's what we find in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. There is the Lord returning in a flaming fire to mete out vengeance upon those who believe not His gospel. God is going to punish the reprobate in extreme punishment. Everlasting punishment. Goes on forever and ever and ever. A punishment that you and I deserve, but which Christ took upon Himself. We don't need to be ashamed of these things, beloved. The Scripture speaks of it that ends it. That's what we speak. That's what we declare to the world in which we live. We declare God's goodness, but also God's wrath upon those who will not come to Christ to be saved. So, total depravity of mankind as it comes into this world as a hater of God. God's mercy is wondrous. That He redeems us. That He calls us out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Do you recognize that? You think about where you would be right now if God would not have rescued you. You would not have found your way out of the darkness of sin and depravity and the snare of the devil. You would not have walked into the light and said how glorious this is. We were running from the light. We were hiding from the light. This is what Jesus said, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness. Those are metaphors for truth and for error, for wickedness. Darkness is error, wickedness, hatred, all things contrary to that which is holy, just and good. Men love these things. That's the condition, the state of their heart. They love perversity. So, apart from the mercy of God in Christ, no one would come to Him. No one would believe. We would all remain under the depths of darkness and hatred towards God. That's a mercy. That we're sitting here this morning and we're in a comfortable location. And we're able to worship God in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. That we're able to hear His Word, to read His Word, to proclaim His Word, to confess his word, to sing his praise. That's a mercy of God. That's God's goodness to his people. And that's what David is saying here. This is a psalm of praise. David is praising the Lord for his goodness. And the Lord is good to all. Look at our text this morning, verse 9. <clears throat> the Lord is good to all, he cannot do wickedly. God always and only does good. But as I said, when that good thing comes to a wicked heart, and that wicked heart does not give God thanks, does not praise God, doesn't even acknowledge God's goodness, that is heaping up wrath into the day of wrath. But notice it's still a good thing that God gives. But yet the response of man demonstrates the condition of man's heart for all that God gives. You know, how you respond, beloved, to the sunshine of the day, to warm temperatures, to the change of seasons, to the good things that God gives, to the harvest at the end of the year. How you respond to that is revealing of your heart. It demonstrates the condition of your heart. The little things. Are you thankful to God for the little things? We take these things for granted. I mean, we see it this morning in not having a pianist. And how difficult it can be of not having someone who plays the piano. What we're accustomed to. I'm not saying it's, it's not sinful that we don't have a piano player this morning. It's not sinful that we do have a piano player. But it sure is difficult. It sure is a convenience. It sure is a blessing that we have someone to be able to play. And we take that for granted. Are we going through the motions? And all of a sudden you realize you can't just go through the motions. Something has changed. There's an element of our worship That has changed. It's like you have to shift speed. You actually have to sing. Because people can now hear you as you sing. These are the good things of God. God gives us family. God gives us friend. God gives us a church family. God brings us into a church family. He unites us together as the people of God. Listen to these babies crying. I mean, it's, a, it's antiphonal. It's going back and forth. <laughs> Listen, it, not against your parents, but this is a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127, children are a blessing, a heritage of the Lord. It's a blessing to hear babies crying. I know some of you get irritated with that. You know what? Calm yourself down. Because where you don't hear babies crying, the church ain't growing. The church is dying when you don't hear babies crying so they got a whole song to sing back there to them of themselves they can't speak me believe me god is good and notice david says his tender mercies david certainly experienced the tender mercies of god he experienced that david was a sinful man david recognized it he acknowledged he was a sinful man He acknowledged that he had fallen short in so many areas of his life. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. That he confessed his sin. He acknowledged his sin to the Lord. He did not cover his sin before God. He confessed it to the Lord. And God's mercies are tender. That mercy is that withholding of what is due to us. What is due to us is damnation. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life in Christ Jesus. God is tender and merciful to His people. Over all of His works, notice, over all the works that God does, He has a tender mercy, and the whole world sees it and experiences it. The tender mercy of God. You know, it was told to Adam that the day that you eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Now certainly, Adam died spiritually that day. But he didn't die physically. And he merited that. He deserved immediate death, immediate execution. But the Lord stayed his hand. And Adam lived 900 and some years after that. And here it is, the Lord had a purpose in all of these things. But you see His tender mercy right there, where Adam didn't have the guillotine put on him immediately. And that was the end of the story. God's tender mercy. Think about our lives. We've sinned more sins than we want to admit. Some of you don't even think that you're walking in sin. We're sinning every day. We sin every day because we don't glorify the Lord in all of our thoughts, words, and deeds. And therefore, we are misrepresenting God to all of creation. And that is a sin. And if not for the covering in Jesus Christ, we would be damned forever, and rightly so. God's mercy. You think about the sin that we've sinned this past week. The things that you have thought and said and have done. We deserve the wrath of God. And He stays His hand. Why? Because it was punished in Jesus Christ. God's tender mercies are a result of the punishment in Jesus Christ. Why do we receive the mercy of God, the goodness of God? Why do we experience it? Why am I able to see the wonder of the rainbow? To enjoy something cool to drink, good food to eat, family, friends, church fellowship. Why are we able to to simply partake of these mercies of the Lord? Because of Jesus Christ and because of Him alone. Lord, and, and beloved, we need to be a people that praises the Lord for these things. The little things. We often bypass the little things. You know, as I mentioned the kids this morning. Parents, you're going to blink and your children are going to be looking you eye to eye. And that's how fast it happens. The next thing you know, they're going off to school. And the next thing you know, they're getting married. And the next thing you know, they're, they're out of the house. They have their own family unit. And all the older people in the congregation can testify to that, that it goes rapidly. Enjoy the little times. Enjoy, fathers, your time with your sons and throwing the ball around. Enjoy your time of walking on the beach, going fishing, doing all the little things that we take for granted. Enjoy those times because they're not going to be around forever. You are going to turn your head and you're going to realize that he's done and gone. You know, there's a, there's a song by Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle. You've heard it. This is what happened to this father. He got so caught up in his work, in his business, in his things of life that he had no time for his kids. Here's the ball, Dad. Come on, let's go play. I ain't got time today, son. I've got work to do. And everything was about work and nothing about spending the little time with family, with your children, the little things. And then by the time that it was all over, the man had grown up and, you know, the young boy grew up and he was out of the house, had his own job. And now the father, here he is. He wants some fellowship with his son. He wants some communication. And the son says, can't do it today, dad. Work's a hassle and the kids got the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you. Didn't have time. And he says, and when I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. The boy was just like me. Beloved, you don't know how you affect your children. They are so impressionable at young ages. That when you don't read the word, you don't pray, you don't do the things that you say that are important in the life of a Christian. They see this and the next thing you know, you know what? The boy had grown up just like me is the song you'll be saying. You sing that song and it resonates with us. If you've heard it, you can can identify with it exactly. Don't take the little mercies that God gives for granted. Enjoy the little blessings. Enjoy them daily. It's a good thing. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, to enjoy the good things of the Lord. And God's mercies are over all of his works. All your works, he says, shall praise you, O Lord. And they do. Do you hear it? Do you hear the praise of the created realm? The sun, moon, and stars? Do you hear them singing the praise of God? If you know the word, you do. Why is that? Because the heavens declare the glory of God. We see the glory of God when we look out in the starry night. Matter of fact, there's a song like that too, isn't there? Starry, starry night. Looking out at the stars and the wonder that God has created and giving Him praise. You see, they declare His glory. They declare the invisible attributes of God. They make clear and plain the invisible attributes of God in their created presence. God has created them to do so, to reflect His glory. And all the earth see it, and it's the Christian alone that can give Him praise. Give Him praise and don't take that for granted. And don't stop at the stars. Don't stop at the moon. Don't stop at the planets. Don't stop at the rainbow. They are all fingers that point you to the all-wise God who created all things. The works of God praise them. You can almost hear it, can't you? As the corn grows... Or in the spring of the year, as the trees begin to bud and you see the leaves popping out and the birds begin to sing, things that we take for granted. Sometimes we go on about our business and don't even give thought to these things. But it's the music of the Lord in the created realm singing His praise. They sing His praise because He created them with the marvel and the wonder to do what they do. You know, the birds that all have the different chirps and whistles and sounds. It's glorious. Give yourself the opportunity to listen, beloved. We we talk so much. I'm guilty too. Shut up and listen. Listen to the wonder and the glory of the creation singing the Creator's praise. Because they do. And notice that we as saints are to bless Him. We bless Him in the created things. We bless Him by the things that He has done. Teach your children... To go beyond the rainbow to praise the God who has created that rainbow. And the wonder and the glory and the splendor of the colors. Why do you children have, this is for you children. Why do you have so many crayons in your box? They're all different colors. Where did they come from? The spectrum of scholar, the colors are all in the rainbow. You're not going to come up with any other color that you don't find in the rainbow. In the spectrum itself. That's a wonder and a glory that we give God praise. Isn't it great to be in a a world where there are different shapes and sizes and colors and magnificence and this color and that and somebody likes that color and somebody likes this and there's diversity that God has given? What a wonder. Do we praise Him? Do we thank Him? When's the last time... That you gave thanks to the Lord for the wonder and the beauty and the glory that you see all around you in the created realm. That's what the saints are to do. We alone can do it. The unbelieving world goes around with blinders on their eyes and does not give God thanks, they do not give God praise. That's the work and the business of the believer. We praise Him in the small things. We praise Him in the great things. We are a people that praise the Lord. We praise God for His wondrous works. They speak, they shall all speak of the glory of your kingdom. The saints are to speak of the glory of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is His rule. We are to speak of the glory of the church. We're to speak of the coming kingdom and rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, beloved, if you go back up to verse 5, you'll notice what David says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. If you are not given to meditation, you are not going to be one who is talking about the kingdom of Christ. You are not going to be one talking about the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. That our God is sovereign. That our God rules and reigns in the kingdom of men. You will not be able to speak to people. You will be confused about the goings on in our world today. People talk this way. Where is God? If there is a God. If God is ruling. If God is sovereign. Why all the evil in the world? Because of sin and rebellion against the true and living God. You can't have a society in rebellion against God and think you're going to have peace. Only war is in the heart of man. Man, apart from the regenerating work of spirit, is only war. He is at war with God. He is at war with men. And we're experiencing it in our day. And it hasn't been just in our day. It's been in the history of mankind since the fall man begins killing one another right in the garden. You see that? Satan comes, and immediately there's a spiritual death that's given. And then you find Cain and Abel, fratricide. And then you find it continually man killing man. The hostility and the anger and the hatred of man in a fallen depraved condition that he is. He needs salvation. And beloved, we are to proclaim that's salvation in Jesus Christ. We are to meditate on the glory of his splendor. We are to, to declare his rule and his reign. The coming kingdom. There is a kingdom coming which we have not experienced in this life. We've only had a foretaste. You know what a foretaste is it's it's a nibble. It's enough to know that you want more of it. But you can't have it yet. But you know it's coming. And it hasn't even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. And even as we read it in Scripture, and God unfolds this in His Word, but yet we haven't tasted of it. We haven't experienced it. Only a nibble. But yet it's far better than here. And you know that kingdom that is coming. Beloved, we were talking about that this morning in Sunday school about that kingdom where there is no more sin so there's no more sickness there's no more cancer there's no more war there's no more the the simple thing of crying we've all cried you realize that every human being has cried in the kingdom that is coming where Christ rules completely and totally in the hearts of men there's no more crying What is a world like where there's no more tears, where the Savior wipes away all the tears from their eyes? What a marvelous, wondrous kingdom to dwell in. That's coming. That's what we are to speak. We are to speak of the glory and the magnificence of God's kingdom. You know, the early church, the Jews, uh, they spoke of the temple. They spoke of the glory of the temple. They spoke of the stones of the temple. The gold that overlaid the temple. All the temporal glory that as Moses speaks about was fading away. We have a kingdom that's coming that does not fade away. And we are to speak of it. Do you speak of it? What do you speak about? What do you talk to one another about? Notice as he goes on and he says, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. Well, certainly, beloved, we ought to be a people that talks to one another about the power and the glory and the rule and the majesty and the mercy and the grace of our God. But do you talk to anybody else about that? Do you evangelize the world in which you live, the sphere in which God has called you to? Do you bring these things to the attention of the unbeliever about the coming kingdom of God? This is what David was saying. This is part of the praise of man, that we tell others... About God's power and God's kingdom. Who knows the power of God's anger? Who knows the power of the wrath of God that is to come? We see the power of creation. God has created that. God didn't create that, spun that up and let it go. God is ruling and reigning even in the created events. The creation events. The tornadoes, the hurricanes, the typhoons. All of that. God is governing all of that. Some of the things that we've seen have been tremendous. Beloved, that is nothing compared to the infinite power of our God. You cannot even compare the worst hurricane in history that's been recorded. You can't compare that with the power of God's eternal wrath. The closest that we can come to even seeing it, it's Christ on the cross. Where the Son of God, fully God, fully man, in one person, suffers the wrath of the infinite God. So much so that He cried out, I have been forsaken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do we talk about the power that's coming? The power of God's wrath? The power of God's beauty? The power of God's creation? The power of regeneration? That he makes all things new in the glory of his kingdom that is coming. This is what the saints do. This is what the redeemed do. Do you do that? When do you do that? Do you do it with your children? Do you do it with your families? Do you do it when you have lunch? Do you do it over a dinner? Do you do it when you walk along the way? Do you do it when you're in the country, when you're in the city? Do you do it when you're enjoying the entertainment and the things of this world? Do you do it, beloved? That's what the saints do. They talk of God's wonder and speak of His glory and His kingdom that is to come. To make known to the sons of men His mighty acts. Notice a rehearsing of what God has done. Parents, there's a great obligation. You have got to take your children through the Old Testament. There are going to be many things, multiple things that you're not going to be able to understand. Write it down. Get a commentary. Work through the tough passages of Scripture. Teach them church history. The church is failing in this of teaching our children. And notice what David says this is the praise of man to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts. You find in Israel's history, you notice that they would cross a river. And when they crossed a river, the river Jabbok, they would set up stones. You know what those are called? Stones of remembrance. So the next generation that would come by, hey, what meaneth these stones? And then it would be told to them. And it would be reaccounted to them. The exodus was reaccounted to them. The covenant renewals was reaccounted to them. The Feast of Booths, there was a recounting of God's glory, His splendor, His covenant keeping with the people of God. We've got to do the same thing as the people of God. To those... Um, as the baptism we find in acts two twenty nine to us and to our children and to our children 's children and to many who are far off whom the Lord our God will call, Jesus said, "There is one shepherd and there is one flock, and there are some that are not yet of the fold. I must bring them in so they 'll be the one flock and one shepherd. How does he bring them in? He brings them in by evangelizing. He brings them in by the proclamation of the Word. He brings them in as the people of God, as a mighty army, go out into the world proclaiming salvation in none other but Jesus Christ. Come, behold our King. Rehearsing with our children, preparing them to walk in the way of wisdom. This is the call of the people of God. To make known to the sons of men the mighty acts of God and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. Again, the majesty of the kingdom of God that is coming. Because it's an everlasting kingdom. That's what Daniel speaks of. Isaiah speaks of the same thing. This was a prophecy given in Isaiah. The kingdom of the Messiah is an everlasting kingdom. He will rule forever and ever and ever. There will never be a time that He will not rule. He will always rule. This kingdom of Jesus Christ goes on forever. There will never be an anticipation of it. There will never be a longing for it. It'll be consummation, and we will be with him and in that kingdom forever. It it remains in his dominion throughout all generations. David was longing for it, and so ought we. David was declaring it, and so ought we. David was not taking the little things that God gives for granted. David was declaring those things, he was seeing the creation. And he was hearing the praise of God through creation. Let yourself listen, beloved. Just sit and wonder at the works that God has created. And marvel at the majesty of our God. As Paul says that the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen from the things that are made. Let yourself listen to the praise of the created realm. Sit outside and hear the birds. Listen to the chirping of the crickets that only come at a certain season of the year and then they are no more. Listen to the wonder and the beauty that God has created and tell it to your children and tell it to your neighbor and make His praise gone wide and far for the glory of God and the good of His people. Praise is good. We are to be a people that sings His praise. Let it be so in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we pray?